Hello, Mike D. Hey, Budget King. Good to see you. Right. You too. Are you uh, here for the, the first issue club meetup? <laughs> yes, I've arrived. Oh, cool. Me, me too. I'm all settled in and ready for this uh, great club meeting again. Do you, do you like seeing a big thing of uh, moisturizer to know that, you know, people moisturize? Wow. Interesting <laughs> change in topic. <laughs> I just saw it on the shelf and I was like, oh man, bad, uh, weird, weird look to just bad, have. Yeah. Bad aesthetics. If, mm -hmm. if you're on the video tier of our Patreon, you'll know what we're talking about. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, do you want to begin this uh, recording? It's a, uh, it's a duo. It's just me and you. Yeah, that's right. Let's formally start it. Hello, welcome to the First Issue Club comic book podcast. Today, I'm your host, Mike D, and with me is Budget King. What's up? I'm here. We are Zooming because I had the sickies this past weekend, and we wanted to be extra careful. Uh, normally, we record a week ahead of this uh, current date we're recording, so we're armed with all the extra comic news. That happened over the weekend, um, which isn't a ton of stuff and is mostly negative, but <laughs> still. We got, we got a couple. We'll, uh, we got one positive thing, I think. Yeah, we got a couple positive or fun things to talk about before we get into our book, which is Little Monsters by Jeff Lemire out on Image Comics. So I was uh, super pumped for this book. I've already pre-ordered everything you can pre-order, including all the variant covers. All the variant covers. Okay. Do you ever do that? And then the moment you read it, you're like, shit, what did I do? Um, yes, I probably should have. Well, I like this book. Spoiler alert. But I like that this team is back together. I really like their artwork and their writing together. Yeah. So I was just like, let's do it. Now it's not a robot anymore, but it's still kids. Felt like they did kid really well, so let's go. You, you cashed in with this method on Strange Academy number one. I did, and it worked out for me. <laughs> yes. Uh, and do you know off the top of your head how many covers of that you have? Um, I have five covers of the number one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like seven hundred dollars worth of comics. It's like so funny to me. Yeah, it ended because I think you have some of like the incentives and stuff. I do. Too. Yeah, it, that that one ended up working out for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. I had no idea that comic was worth anything until someone in the Discord said something, and I was like, "Whoa!" I well, I just was like, I <laughs> I don't even know. It just seemed like there's that many first appearances, and mm -hmm. it felt like a show that felt like something somebody would want to make at some point in time like right. in marvel and i also really liked it like it was good so it had the like the mixtures of everything that i was like let's go <laughs> it seems like one issue like every three or four issues in that series too goes for like 20 dollars raw on ebay yeah so it's staying relevant and super hyped which only helps that first issue as times go on so yeah. Oh, I guess it, it felt like when Runaways first came out, although I wasn't really an active comic book reader when that happened, but like discovering Runaways, it felt like the same, like the essence. So yes. maybe that's why I bit on that. Well, yeah. Anyway, did the same thing with Little Monsters. We'll get into Little Monsters. Um, and it was a, it was a fun read. Uh, but we got we have a handful of news before that. Uh, 
first let's okay let's talk about this since we're on uh indie comic book stuff we went to a comic con and we picked up this book twig um twig is by kyle um strom is that right i don't know you bought it okay so he it's with is Scotty Young, right? Oh, sorry. It's, yeah. It's so someone it's, and Scotty Young. It's Scotty Young and Kyle Strom. I bought it from Kyle Strom. And they what they had was was like it was a weird <laughs> thing that like it looked like they had stapled together uh, like a book of like what the book might be. Um, and they were selling it for like 10 bucks. Yeah, it's like a little promotional copy ash can thing. Yeah, it almost seems like. Anytime people don't know what to call a thing, they call it an ash can. And I always thought ash can meant that it was smaller than the Same. original. It does it not? Well, I one hundred percent thought that an ash can was a mini sized comic. Yes. Okay. Like the ones you would get in like Pizza Hut and stuff, or McDonald's, or yeah. Yeah, or like came for free in a Wizard magazine every once yeah. in a while. Okay. Well, maybe it just means free, like not for market sale. I don't know. Right. So, that could be. Somebody let us know what ash can is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I bought it. And uh, got it signed and just was like kind of pumped about it. Apparently, these went really quickly online and one has gone for $200 for a book called Twig about a little rodent character that will go on image (laughs) at some point. I wasn't spec buying it. I just genuinely like the creators and the book looked fun. But uh, yeah, this book has a lot of hype now. So who knows? Now it's got to live up to its uh, cause, I guess. It's funny that that's just hype alone. Like you'd think the first issue would come out and be a banger. And then people would be like, oh, I got to get my hands on this ash can. That was like a con exclusive. But no, nothing's happened yet. I know. People are just hyped on um, this like, blue furby that's on the cover blue furby is a good way to describe it so okay i was or thinking crit- about- or critters did you ever watch critters <laughs> yeah critters critters yeah kind of looks it, like a critter it's weird that we're living in this time where it's like comic books have this resurgence of like value because uh-huh. <laughs> they went you know went through the silver age drought or the 90s drought yeah and then it's like now it's like oh a book of stapled together like I don't know, thoughts by a creator <laughs> is going for $200. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> not even a comic book. So I don't know. Get get Twig, I guess. Mine's probably not worth anything because I got it autographed, but it's worth a lot in my heart. Yeah. You know, you know what I was thinking was crazy too was um, a lot of the like Founders Club um, tiers of different... Ah, uh, shoot. What do you call K- that? K- Kickstarters? Like- no, not Kickstarter, but the thing Patreon? all the comic book writers are on that people oh, Substack. are Substack, right? Yeah. Oh, shout oh. out to Substack. The new app is Fire. Is it good? It completely solves every problem you'd want in Substack. It's gonna be. I'm now a Substack uh, devotee. I I I, uh, I repent. That needed to happen so so bad. That yes. is like crucial to their success in this industry, and it like literally changes the way I think about subscribing for that i'm stuff not now. even it sounds like i'm joking the app is a game changer yeah so, so uh, continue. Good, good for them but so some of the founders club deals are the ones with comic book creators where you really get the like kickbacks and like physical copy incentives of doing stuff but a lot of them charge around 250 dollars to be a member of that tier i know right now jonathan hickman um, and Mike Del Mundo and maybe one other one or two other people 
do this thing that's like three moons, three something. Oh yeah, three yeah. Three worlds. Kelly um, Thompson, right? No, you know what's funny? I was wondering about this the other day. I think at one point in time, Vita Ayala was part of it. Okay. And she's not listed as a creator on it anymore. Okay, okay. So I don't know what happened if she got too busy or had a falling out with them, but I, I could only speculate. But in any case, their physical incentive is a hardback copy of some of the comics with some creator's notes on the inside. And it seems like a lot of people are joining or opting for it right now. And I'm just thinking like you could do this free tier or this minor payment tier and get the same exact thing in digital form. Or you could pay $250 for the hardback, which seems like the motivating factor for a lot of people. Now, how many books would you buy if it was just a retail thing? Would you buy a $250 copy of? It's just, it's bonkers to me. I just, I don't think. That's like a console. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's like, that's like half a PlayStation five. I think you're Um, doing it because you support the creators, but it's when you in like in retail world, that's not a good buy. Yeah. I I think it, it it makes sense if I've just got like a lot of disposable income and I really want to support these people. Heck yeah. Why not? It's fun that you get a thing for supporting them. But I, I feel a lot of people are hopping onto these incentive tiers being like, these are worth money. I'll never have a chance to get them again. So I have to jump on them, but I just don't think, I guess as a steward of comic book responsibility, I would say that I don't think a lot of these rewards for founders tiers are a sustainable or economical investment for people just because the bot, the buy-in is is just so, so high. So that Brandon Sanderson did the same thing where it's like, he just got the most funded Kickstarter ever. He's a f- fantasy writer. We talked about yeah, him. Yeah, I know. I was I pulled up that Kickstarter while it was doing the live <laughs> updates, and it was just going up like ten thousand yeah. dollars, like every ten minutes. I it did. Was I, wild. I I bought the audiobook because I'm a big fan of his. As you you know, I don't know if our fans know this, but yeah. I'm a huge fan um, of his, and got to play Magic: The Gathering with him on my birthday. Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I think like to get the actual book is like close to 300 bucks and it's, they don't even, you don't even know what it is. Like it's (laughs) literally called secret something or whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, which is kind of crazy. That's nuts. Um, I, okay. Back to the Substack thing though, which I'm glad we brought up as news. It is so convenient that I honestly, like my tune has changed on Substack being the revolution for comics because I like pop in and I'm like, oh, Brian K. Vaughn wrote this really sweet like note about the next saga. Jeff Lemire has been updating. Chip Zdarsky did a whole interview about Batman and his concept art and like how he shifts between the two. And I like feel updated in my creators in a new way. Like I feel like I'm just a fucking ad for Substack now. But like it's just like <laughs> and that's all non-paid, right? Uh, that yeah, I don't even I don't do the paid on any of those that I remember. I don't think I do. Yeah. So I guess if you if you paid on those, then you would also get like I think I'm pretty sure that that like a couple of those people I named actually have like comics that you get as well, right? Um, that they're doing on there. Oh, and like the James Tunyon uh, as well, which is like he he writes so much on there. I can't even consume all his fan art, just his free stuff. So, yep. James, if you're listening, I know you are. Uh, <laughs> t- 
tone down on all the letters to us. You're being too good. You're not going to make enough money on the shit people has to have to pay for. Okay? <laughs> Somebody needs to, you're diluting your brand, my man. <laughs> he's, you're saying he's giving away too much for free. I think so. At this point, he's too, yeah. nice. he's too yeah. much of a man of the people. <laughs> um, okay. Well, you, I love it. That's good to hear. I need to get into that, that more, but you know, stacks of comics and then you add, an app of <laughs> having like to read the cre- app creators notes and stuff to it. It's a, it's a lot to read. It is. Um, you were digging that Mark Wade is going to hop on world's finest with yes. Dan Mora and Dan Mora, which I know a, a lot of my comic book friends are big fans of Dan Mora and are looking forward to this book. I like Mark Wade a lot. Um, and I think it's cool that world's finest is coming back. If you don't know what that book is, it's historically been a Batman Superman team up book. Um, there's some fun and funky things about it. I don't know if you've seen the covers or there's that famous old panel of Batman smacking Robin across the face. Mm-hmm. It's like a meme. Yes. And there's two homage covers to that that I've seen of each Batman smacking uh, Superman and Superman smacking Batman. And the word bubbles just swip it, switch and say it's, Superman and Batman's world's finest. No, it's Batman and Superman's world's <laughs> finest. So I was just like, I'm, I'm kind of burnt out on like homage covers or covers that take a nod to another comic book thing, just because it happens so, so much now. And I can't keep track of it all. Uh, I actually found out the other day, there's a, a spawn Spider-Man homage book that I have. Yeah, that, that goes for like $60 raw. Oh, I have that and, too. And I was like, man, I had no clue. And there's so many things. It's like, there's nothing about this comic that is crucial to the history of the story, but just the fact that it's um, of an album cover or of an older comic or something. It's, um, and we've talked really about popping that, off in value. That X-Force homage with Cable's first appearance. Um, Oh yeah. That like everybody's ripped off so many times. <laughs> and then it's like, even it's even other iconic covers are an imitation of it, but it's it in, in and of itself is an homage. Yes, that's okay. right. It's not credited on the cover as an homage, but it does homage an old like pulp comic that yeah. when you see the two side by side, you're like, yeah, the gun's exactly the same. They're like <laughs> so similar that, that, cover is a weird story too because and i don't know exactly how this worked but so rob liefeld started doing covers after new mutants 87 but on new mutants 87 it was todd mcfarlane and rob liefeld together okay it's it and it's it's seriously got this like really weird look to it like you can't totally tell who did what or who took the lead? Like did Todd McFarlane just do outlines and Rob inked it or the other way around? I don't know, but I don't know. That's just a fun cover. But in, in any case, um, world's finest We're apparently, and this may be a, a minor spoiler, but we're apparently getting some red kryptonite in it, which is going to turn Superman evil for at least a couple issues. He um, deserves it. <laughs> yeah let's see evil superman a couple more times i i can't get past dc's color thing 
and I know Marvel has really annoying things about it, but DC like leans really hard into the, some of these like color themes. I think there's something like 50 different colors of kryptonite and they all do and they all do a different thing Wait, are you, I, I did not know this yeah so this like is the same fucking thing with uh green lantern which yes like green lantern has like there's a million different there's like a yellow lantern and red lanterns mm-hmm. and all that stuff i know like bizarro <laughs> superman is can't can't handle blue kryptonite like that's his thing <laughs> and then there's there's something called like platinum kryptonite or maybe it's gold kryptonite and it gives normal people the powers of Superman for like okay. a certain amount of time. And that might be something like Lex Luthor used a couple of times, but um, it, the, the list goes on and on and on. We could, maybe it's something that'd be fun to run down on a Patreon episode <laughs> sometimes all the different uh, <laughs> or make up our own. Uh, right. pa- powers for each of the color <laughs> of kryptonite. That sounds like more fun if we just made them up. Um, uh, okay, the last piece of no- news is uh, a book that we could have covered, but we're just going to cover it as news because that's really kind of what it is. Is uh, Jason Aaron uh, is re-upping Punisher. We covered that. That was going to happen. This is a one in three that's going to launch the series, I think, maybe. I don't exactly know how it's going to happen, but the big news when this got launched was that Punisher had a new logo. Um, mm-hmm. And in the book, some highlights that aren't spoilers, because you see this on the cover, is uh, he doesn't use guns anymore. Now he uses swords. Yep. Um, and there's a new character. There's a Oh, a famous Punisher character is going to make an appearance in here. Um, I read the book. I, I, I enjoyed it as far as the story goes. There's some controversy, though, in that the change of this uh, logo was mainly, could be mainly influenced that Blue Lives Matter, people that lean towards conservatism, uh, mostly Blue Lives Matter stuff, have co-opted the logo to be their own logo of the Punisher for vigilante justice and things like that. And um, that Marvel needed to re-own the uh, slight or adjacent racism that was associated with this. Yeah. The book does not really address that. It does just have a new logo. Um and then because of that, Jason Aaron dirt, things that just exist, got dug up like him writing scalped and not necessarily being indigenous or Native American and also writing a Pocahontas like character. Um, and we only bring this up because there was some controversy on Twitter, but it actually led to Jason Aaron apologizing and giving money for this comic book to um, like a fund that uh defends the integrity of indigenous people. So uh, Jason Aaron <laughs> had a, you know, both Wild a great week, week and, a, and, a, and a terrible week. <laughs> yeah, right. Sometimes it's not great to be talked about in the news. <laughs> we, we knew that Punisher would be like this, redoing Punisher. And I yep. think we even did as a club, like, would you do it if you were asked? I think I wouldn't have. <laughs> I just would have been like, give me something basic. <laughs> yeah, right. Too hard to do it right. But you're right. I, I, there, was so, there was so much dialogue and conversation around when I think Garth Ennis stepped away from his miniseries he was doing with like, he used to do these like Punisher, like war stories mm-hmm. yeah, sort of books. And he even had some commentary on like, we got to do something about the appropriation of this. Yeah. And 
in, in that they're, that they're that, misunderstanding it. Did, that they're either misunderstanding it or like, why was it, it? Why did we even treat it like it was treated in the first place? Like, should this have been a character at all? <laughs> I, I, I think, don't call me on this, but I think Garth Ennis is kind of on the side of like, it's fucked up that this happened uh, yeah. with the logo and stuff. To Jason Aaron's credit, there's a centerfold that has, I think, almost every iconic Punisher cover in it as like a character sheet kind of uh-huh. um, and reintroduces like the new logo. Uh, so it's like it's not beating you over the head with it, but it is kind of saying like this is the past. This is the future. And for a Punisher head and frankly, a Daredevil head, uh, this is a fun book to read. This happens a lot with comics in the the media conversation around them is that uh, when you're when you're reading weekly comics, you you maybe have a harder time stepping away or you can separate it from like the bigger picture of like what the simplest statement of it might be culturally. Like to me, I I pick up uh, Jane Foster becoming Thor and you're just like, oh, logical progression of what's been happening in the news it's like oh no a, a, a woman is thor now like wokeness won't stop yeah uh which is a garbage take <laughs> like okay like just, the same- and, and just in case there's anyone wondering what you know where we stand on it like m- men have headlined comics for long enough like chill out but um and, and yeah I, yeah it's it's I, I get what you're saying it's easy to enjoy the story as just a fan of like ongoing story arcs and things but but, but i think like also too like I, i'll just candidly i'm a little bit bored right now with like the big two and what they're doing and if they're gonna win me back they need to just like ramp good stories aren't gonna do it enough for me anymore yeah like they need to just kind of like put in put it in turbo speed i would have liked some just like a big fuck you to the like all the people that like took this over you know i'm not criticizing jason aaron this is actually a fun read but it, it's not like the shakeup i need in the big two like to be honest chip sadarsky writing batman that's more in the trajectory of something that i'm like okay let me uh-huh. see what let me see what happens there yeah. like but this being like yeah it was it was a great punisher story jason aaron is one of the best writers out there he did not disappoint but i you don't really get necessarily like any type of like shake them up Marvel surprises. Yeah. And you, you know, you wonder how much impact Disney has over things. And if they want cultural commentary in the comics, I don't know that they have any oversight at all. You know what I mean? But, you know, we're finding out recently and people have been upset that, Disney supported a bunch of politicians in Florida who, um, yeah, that was fucked up, you know, pushing through laws to like ban people from talking about anything that makes white people uncomfortable, <laughs> like, like just the most insane, like awful bills you can imagine. And it doesn't stop there. And Disney had to like come out and apologize because people were so up in arms about it that you're doing all these cultural representation movies and things but then you're supporting and giving all this like tons of money to this complex that's making it those those people's lives harder so it's like you're 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 more than anything you're just benefiting off of their stories and then giving the money to the people that don't represent them 
Um, so pretty rough look, but you know, you kind of wonder sometimes how far um, they want to let their stories get involved in these sort of arenas. Yeah. There's kind of this famous story where like Tim Seeley was writing blade. Uh-huh. Um, and at the time it had blades daughter in it, who was a black lady as well. And he was like, through controversy or whatever he paused and he was like i think a black woman should be writing this and like kind of paused off of that yeah i think that's a good example of representation where it's like the authenticity there yeah probably should be you know like Mm -hmm. this is that's a tough book to write and stuff and that's like a difference between like you know is it racist for tim seeley to like write that book it's just not great, <laughs> you know, and he recognized it and like moved off of it. I think that I wasn't around when this controversy I was around, but I wasn't aware of this controversy at the time. Yeah. And so like, it's just, it's a tough landscape to navigate controversy and what the end result is of you protesting or complaining should actually be. Right. It's always, there's a lot of sticky area, especially when you're just like, parachuting into a situation on Twitter, just like, here's my take. Like (laughs) if if you know nothing of the situation and you just read that, like Tim Seeley introduced these characters and has been, you know, writing them, you might say that he's a piece of shit. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. He's taking advantage of a culture. He's not a part of Um, if you're, reading it and then the story goes a certain route and he has a realization and you've got that time to spend with it. You maybe have a different perspective on it. The industry right now just does employ tons and tons of white men. It's that's very hard. (laughs) I think the conversation surrounding some of these controversies might be different if, if we had more just like, just i guess just more diversity in the landscape if you had um, that's the problem is that there's just not enough representation right now so there's not enough people being like whoa pause or in in this punisher thing we've kind of derailed a little bit this punisher thing yeah yeah yeah. is like close to that but not exactly that it was more so the other accusations of jason Aaron. anyway jason aaron your hometown kansas city guy hope you made it through this week i think you'll be fine (laughs) (laughs) i think you're gonna be a-okay yeah uh all right, we can get into the big the big book. We, for for a week that we were like not a lot of news, we had a lot of news actually. So hey, we can BS with the best of them. <laughs> this book is called Little Monsters. It's on Image Comics. It's by Jeff Lemire, club favorite, maybe my favorite author, and Dustin Wind, um, who did uh, a couple of series before um, Destroyer. Yeah. And the original book to that was called, um, I'm drawing a blank on it, but pre destroyer, <laughs> pre destroyer. <laughs> can I, can I mention something about Jeff Lemire before yeah, we yeah. get rolling? Um, right now, I think through mid April, he's got a deal going on cadencecomicart.com, which is one of those sites that sells, um, Descender, original, original sorry, artwork. Sorry Descender, that's right. Um, that sells a lot of artists, original artwork. Jeff Lemire is represented by them. So a lot of his originals are posted there and he's donating all of his proceeds over the next 30 days or so to UNICEF, I think to help the people of Ukraine that are fleeing. 
So if there's anyone who's like, man, I, I should be giving some money to this cause and haven't done it yet. Um, get a Jeff Lemire page while you're at it of original art. I, they, they go from anywhere between like 150, 200 to like 500 bucks for something. Wait, and it's Jeff flashy. Lemire's art? It's Jeff Lemire's art. Yeah. Okay. Shout out that website again, or do you know what it is? It's Cadence Comic Art. I think it's cadencecomicart.com. Hell yeah. You Google Definitely it, you'll it, find it. Get it, get it, Jeff Lemire. His, his artwork is very like stylized and iconic. You kind of just easily recognize it. Yeah. Artist from Sweet Tooth, if that's yeah. a touch point for people. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, totally. I would say this book falls into this category of a book that I don't often like, although I did like this book, where it's a gotcha comic. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Reveal where, at the end. Yeah, where the point of the comic is to, like, fool you with, like, something crazy so you keep reading the book. Yeah. The book transcends it. It, it. it certainly does, and it was a great read. But the what you're getting through all of it is there's this – there's little breadcrumbs of and, – and honestly, everybody listening, you, Mike, everybody in the world really smarter than me, so you picked up on this way before I did. <laughs> <laughs> But it's called Little Monsters, um, and there are kids that are just hanging out, um, and you find out they're hanging out through the night. So it's post-apocalyptic. One kid falls off a building, and he says, dang, this is going to take a day to heal. And uh, I think those are the clues, essentially. Those would be the main clues there. And then the last page, you get a close-up of the kid, and they have teeth, so you find out these little monsters are all vampires. So it's a vampire book. Yes. Um, which is a cool reveal. And uh, it's, it's kind of like a Lord of the Flies uh, type book where it's like kids are surviving, figuring out how to like live. And you get a, there's like eight of them or so playing capture the flag and shit and all this kind of stuff. So you're basically just getting like kids be kids in a post-apocalyptic world, but they happen to be vampires and uh, now there's going to be an adult. There's, there's definitely a plot that's going to go forward for this. But this issue number one is one giant like, hey, they're vampires, but you didn't guess that. And I didn't. So <laughs> shame on me. It's an incredibly sparse issue. I'll say that a lot of it was in most of it's black and white. And then you get pops of red and a couple primary colors here and there when there's like one of the kids is drawing for example so it's an interesting motif there's tons of halftone used throughout this i was like if this was done traditionally and not digitally the amount of halftone acetate that this guy is using is just unbelievable <laughs> it must have been expensive to put together um I, I one thing that i thought was interesting like in retrospect looking back on it was all the you know they're doing all these fun things in a like an empty city but they're constantly talking about how mundane and dull their lives are and i was like huh that's interesting and then the perspective that they've been alive for hundreds you know, of years hundreds of years potentially um kind of puts a different spin on it so it's it's interesting that they're kind of on one side stuck in adolescence where they do do things like play capture the flag and answer each other by being like, I don't know, whatever. Yo, you <laughs> want to sit and listen? Free country. Um, <laughs> like those, those sort of retorts. It's interesting for like them to just like be um, as emotionally mature as 
kids and teenagers still, but also be like hundreds of years old and have their sharpness dulled over time to just be like, oh, the mundane doldrums of life. Yeah. Did you read the previews right up for this before you read it? Like, and then which told you I, that they, that they were vampires? No, I knew nothing of the sort. Um, yeah. the, the best was, read. So if you are listening to this and then read the book, you won't have the best read, but if you happen to read this book before you listen to this, you will have the best read because the best read is to not know they're vampires. I feel like <laughs> at one point they start like sucking rats. Oh, <laughs> like, you, there's they no more. That- they There's draw no that people, so, right? So they draw like, that so well because they grab rats, they have a conversation, then their faces are just bloody. Yeah. And I assumed they ate them and they just ate them in a bloody fashion. Yeah, right. They're just but like you, chewing raw rat. Yeah. <laughs> all they did was suck them. Yeah. Which is for some reason in my fucked up mind, more humane than eating them. <laughs> okay, sure. Okay, training them slowly. The the moment I got the vampire thing was they were like, it's almost morning. We should head in because through the throughout the entirety of the book, because it's in black and white and a lot of it is gray halftones, you have no reason to think that it's nighttime. Right. Yeah, except. Yeah, you're exactly right. And they kind of there's a couple of times they reference the distance of things. And something being too far. And I was like, well, if you're alone in a city, like how far is too far? Just like trek on there, sleep the night, come back. Um, But the perspective that they need to be back somewhere safe by the time the sun comes up really makes all the fun little hints pop a little better. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is a great book. I'm I'm glad. I feel like we're in March now. This is the first real like number one heavy hitter, I guess, that could like get a little bit of steam um, that we've read this year. So yeah, I mean, there's there's other books that will pop that that were definitely good and mm-hmm. like get some steam, but this book was like probably I feel like has anticipation behind it, has some excitement behind it. doesn't have like slightly anywhere near like something is killing the children or black hammer or anything like, like hype uh, and stuff like that. But I think that, you know, it was a, it was a book that was promoted well and I think we'll do fairly. Okay. As, as a standalone first issue, I think it was a little too sparse for me. And I, it's one of those things where if it would have been in a graphic novel, I think, and I could have soaked in four or five issues at once, I would have loved the slow burn of the first issue. But because it just like ends when you find out the hook, I was just like, oh man, this was very like sad, depressing doldrums for kids. And then I realize what's going on and it's done. I'm like, shit. If <laughs> I, I think if I had the benefit of being able to keep rolling, I would have been better off. And but. I think, I think this book is also introducing you to the characters really quickly, but giving you little types, like little tidbits or whatever. And so many characters too. Yeah. It's a lot. One's called bats. That should also be a giveaway that they were vampires. <laughs> <laughs> 
um, uh-huh. which been, would have been a good reference point if, if you are reading this in trade form to just be like, who is that character again? It's, it's, um, you're right. It was a little bit, the editor of this, probably Jeff himself, cut this book off a little too short. So that's, we always say this about image firsts that they used to do double first issues very liberally. Yeah. And then they stopped for whatever reason. Like I haven't seen one double sized for well, I think near I think as often as they used to be. I mean, I think the thing with image, which is like for better or for worse, is it's all the creator decision. Yeah, so, they make that decision. So, sure. you know, like I'm, I'm sure maybe image has a couple editors that they like help or whatever facilitator, things like that. Yeah. But they're not making necessarily big calls on it to be like, oh, this one's worth. Yeah given everybody the extra yeah, juice here no do right. this or whatever especially yeah, if you're jeff lemire and jeff Lurie. yeah uh that's a good point i always forget that i always talk about image as if they're making decisions and moves with the storylines and characters and they're not at all creator owned yeah that's right so yeah they can stop they don't have to publish the book on time <laughs> you know <laughs> and do whatever the fuck they want so, so this will probably be a thing that just because I know and trust Jeff Lemire that I'll keep buying it and I'll yeah. like it. But I think if I didn't know who he was, it might be one that I, um, by the time the next issue comes out, I might forget about it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I called it destroyer, but descender and ascender, those books were like phenomenal. Descender, yeah, that's descender right. specifically was really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and by issue three was like, a book that I was recommending to everybody at the time. Um, I don't know that this has the same level of like that, but it has whiffs of it. Jeff Lemire writes really fucking great kid stuff. Turns out like he really has the story of a kid down. Yeah. So um, yeah. So I think this is going to be, it's, a, it's one to check out. It's a, it's an easy read for that, I guess. You know what? You don't even have to read it. You could buy it. You could put it underneath your mattress. We just told you what happened. That's another way. Not often the way people want to read comics, but that's, you know, definitely a way. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like the cliff notes. You don't even have to read the cliff notes. It's yep. post cliff notes. Wow. Pretend you are part of the conversation and you're part of the conversation now. Yeah. Uh, buy the trade later when you want. <laughs> and don't even read that. Just ask us to just talk about it. Uh-huh. And then that's a that's a whole different tier of our uh, Patreon. <laughs> you can just request us read things for you and break them down. That's what I want with all the classics. Like, I just want somebody to be like the just everything you need to know in conversation about Moby Dick is this. Mm-hmm. And then be like, all right, cool. At least I'll feel smart to my neckbeard friends now. A Tale of Two Cities. Just tell me which city won. Yeah, exactly. Which city made it to the Super Bowl? <laughs> You ever you ever had somebody like reference a classic book and you're like, nah, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> you lost me on that Hamlet quote. Yeah, I hate when people try to big time with references. <laughs> a lot of times, even if I know the reference, I'll probably just be like, okay, just because I'm anno- just because I'm annoyed situationally by it. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure. I don't get it. Like it, I could be better. I could be more well-read, I guess, but it is what it is. Um, cool. I saw turning red this weekend too, just so you know, 
case you wanted to get updated on my movie life. Aha. Watch it with your daughters. Uh, I did. Yeah, yeah, yep. And uh, much like that, The Punisher, it's getting weird controversy all over. Uh, people are taking hot takes on it all the time. I saw Instagram was popping off about it. Yeah, there, were, there was a guy who gave it a review who was like, I can't identify with this movie at all because it was like a grown man being like, I can't identify with this character. And then in so many words, it was because the character was Asian. Okay, and so was, And it mo- was like the story, <laughs> the story has so many basic tenets of just like growing up or like, yeah, theme. it's like themes like puberty. It's like, you can't identify with those because <laughs> the character is of Asian descent. So like, I think, I off. think, I, th- I think fuck off for that guy too. And he deleted his tweet too. So he has no spine, but I think it was more that he couldn't relate with the character because they were too Canadian Asian. Uh, and so oh. like the regionality of the Asian experience really <laughs> ruined it for him. And if you watch the fucking movie, it's like the Canadianness is like, she wears a maple leaf shirt and says the word took. Otherwise, like, you would never know she was in Canada, right? I'm not sure I would. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a big, you know, Drake and Bieber fan. So I was looking for all the references. It wasn't there. But this guy, he just couldn't have it. It had to so, be America or nothing. So I think this movie was set in like 2003, was it not? 2002. You are correct. 2002. So was that fun seeing like old references? Did they play that up a lot? Yeah, so it's um, it doesn't to my knowledge, I actually like reference them with proper nouns, but there's like Tamaguchi or Tamagotchi plays like a, yep. a, uh, a prominent role, definitely boy band era. Yep. Um, the fashion of everything, the technology is all there. So yeah, it, it made the movie really good. I think this movie, this is the other thing too, is like the other controversy is that it was like, it was about puberty or periods or menstrual cycles and then it was also about disobeying your mom and people were having hot takes on that okay yeah and it's like you know what the most funded children's maker of content in the world probably fucking market tested this and knew what they were doing yeah they didn't just like stumble into accidentally making a puberty film they probably did it for a reason Uh (laughs) and i don't like trust them with my life but i'm sure they're aware of what they did (laughs) (laughs) sure so um but it was enjoyable i i I liked it It it's fun yeah hey and if everyone talked to their kids about this stuff you wouldn't have to get it through weird illusions in movies. <laughs> exactly. I kind of understand it. Yeah. I wouldn't have to be showing my daughter's the, the uh, uh, O'Keefe paintings. <laughs> um, all right. We did an episode. We talked about little monsters. We had way too much news. We talked about way too much politics. Boo. Yep. More reading, less politics. <laughs> hey, <laughs> all right. Good job, Mike D. You did it. Hey, right back at you, too. You also crossed that finish line. Um, this episode of First Issue Club was brought to you by Boulevard Brewing Company via Space Camper Cosmic IPA, our favorite beer in the universe and the official beer of the First Issue Club. Happy goodness. Bubbly sudsness, kicking it into high gear again this summer with variety packs. Pick you up some 
you spit Boulevard, you, <laughs> Space Camper, IPA. That was great. You, you skipped a whole season because we're just about to be in the spring, but you want them to wait to summer to buy this variety pack. Oh, to me, I don't I don't deal with these middle seasons anymore. Do they really exist? What with it's, global warming? It's winter and summer. It's winter <laughs> and summer anymore. Right. End of list. Yeah. It'll be 70 for like a week and a half and then it'll be miserable hot out. So in my opinion, when it goes from like snow to a hundred in a week, we didn't have spring. <laughs> hey, I like that too. Yep. First Issue Club is brought to you by Boulevard Brewing Company via Space Camper Cosmic IPA. Our music is courtesy of the fine folks at Primary Color Music. You can find, friend, and follow us on social media at First Issue Club or firstissueclub.com. You can support First Issue Club by joining us on our Patreon for additional content at patreon.com slash firstissueclub.